Welcome back to Diamnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniac. And today we are headed to space. To outer space. So, (laughs) if you aren't looking directly in your podcatcher of choice, you may not have noticed that that is, in fact, the title Unearthed Arcana. In space. Space. Just with lots of A's. So you know it's spacey. <laughs> so what I found odd, and sometimes the references go this direction, where yes. I don't feel like my age or upbringing should allow that I know the reference. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because this one stems back from Pigs in Space from The Muppet Show, which first aired in 1978. Ooh. So thankfully for me, the... It, I had an awkward moment where I'm like, why do I know this? Why? But then I realized it's been such a popular segment that it's gone through the years and like oh, yeah. been reiterated on time, time, and time again. So I felt less awkward at that Good. moment. But Good. there you go. There's your I'm glad you didn't feel so awkward. Yeah. Yes. But Celeste, what are we going to do today? Yes, we are shaking things up a little and we're looking at instead of an article like from a top 20 or instead of a blog post, we're going right to the source, right to the wizard's tower. And we are going to be looking at the unearthed arcana options, uh, travelers in the multiverse. Uh, So travelers of the multiverse, uh, which basically proposes a bunch of new um, race options uh, for characters from space or well not space because you know it's still D is still fantasy but uh playable races from the the multiverse uh so the other planes of existence the astral plane all of these places beyond the material realm um that are adjacent sort of to the normal happening so yeah, and one of the interesting things is also the conversation that comes up uh, around UA. Mm-hmm. And what do you want to do at your table and how do you want to handle those things? How have we handled those things? Um, but yeah, diving in. The other thing that is also fun about reading these articles is that these are implications of what will happen in mm-hmm. D&D. It, it's moved to that direction. I can say it's not always been that direction. Things have just come and gone and like you never hear about them ever again. <laughs> yep. Um, and you're forever sad but there are more so it's almost like playtesting yeah so it's like official wizards endorse playtesting you know they'll put together something on unearthed arcana they ask people in the community to play it in their games and then provide feedback uh, and after a certain window you know they they take it down and basically yeah they choose to publish it in books or not uh, like like neil said sometimes it disappears sometimes yeah. it shows back up in later books uh, usually a little bit changed based on the community feedback yeah, and the other fun thing is that you can kind of infer what may be coming mm-hmm. on the fact that we have the GIF, a hippo-headed being of Im- impressive size. Oh, yes. Uh, because you best believe at some point we are spell jamming. Oh, um, yes. And then also, of course, like the Thrykreen, which are, mm-hmm. you know, a famous species from Dark Sun. So yep. there's there's a lot of stuff. Uh, clearly, spell jammer confirmed. I think we can yeah. go ahead and say, uh, say with this Unearthed Arcana. Okay, so the the other question I have is which of the so we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Which of these six options stood out to you the most? Yeah, well, first off, I thought it was really interesting that several of these are not humanoid. 
creature types. Yeah. So traditionally, they have stuck very closely to humanoid being the only acceptable creature type for playable races. In this, they seem to be determined to shake it up because so we have a few. We have, of course, the autonome, which is a construct. Uh, we have, and we've seen some like construct stuff go on with, you know, Warforged and that conversation. Uh, and then we have the, oh yeah, was it the, oh no, the Hadazir. And then the plasmoid. So you are jello people. Uh, so that is an ooze, um, which no, is no, no. cool. I'm cutting that out on the editing room floor. You don't get to say the word ooze anymore. You only get to say jello people. Uh, jello people, uh, jello people. Yes, thank you. Uh, ooze, the ooze subtype jello. And then we have the Thrycrine, of course, which are monstrosities, which I thought was that one was a little bit really more weird. Than the other two, yeah, a little bit out of left field for me. So I think to me, the plasmoid and then the Thrycrine were the ones that probably stood out as the most interesting. And some of these, I was I was kind of disappointed with, like the GIF almost get like nothing. In terms of all of these, all of these really cool races have like a bunch of different, you know, traits. And then the gift just have two, which is. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially with how popular those are mm-hmm. anyways. Um, and it may. It, it, and that's the other thing is like you, this starts to get into how do I do this at my table? Because it may be that those aspects of the gift are the ones they have the most questions about. So right. they put it in the UA so that it can see the most mm-hmm. playtime. Mm-hmm. There could be other things that they're like, yes, this works. Perfect. Right. We're not going to write that down because then you're just going to spend all your time doing that thing. Yeah. Yeah. What were the ones for you that stood out? What were your, your favorites? So by far and away, the Jello people, just yeah, because yeah, yeah. like you said, so Every preconceived <laughs> so. notion about like what a race is and what a race does kind of goes out the window. And like it, it makes me almost feel like the same way and type when the Aarakocra were first introduced. Mm-hmm. And you had a flying, you know, at level one, you have a flying character. Yeah. What? You, whatever will you do with this? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So the plasmoid, because I'm just like, how would I want to adapt my game? Yeah. To accommodate the fact, because you don't want, you, you hmm, there's hmm. no nice way. You don't want an arms race in your own table right. if you can keep from it. Because, you know, some people are like, well, if they're just going to choose an Aarakocra, then I'm just going to be in a dungeon the whole time. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, you're just penalizing them for a choice that they're allowed to make. Yeah. Yeah, because I think looking at, so to give folks contest, context, some of the traits for the plasmoids are are pretty significant. So they get the amorphous feature, which is uh, something that most uh. ooze monsters get. Uh, so you can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch wide, providing you are wearing and carrying nothing, advantage on ability checks uh, with grapples. So, I mean, this is pretty big for like exploration, you know, squeezing under doors all of a sudden. Yeah, doors aren't a problem anymore. Um, hiding in small spaces or like just getting to places where enemies can't get to you or even like compressing. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a, an exploration challenge, I think, in the same way that Aarakocra, you know, the flying is. But I, I guess it, it's not as useful in combat, probably. So it's probably not as broken as flying. 
Yeah, because it's interesting because the scenario that that player then finds themselves in because it is the equivalent of just being completely naked to yeah. get from point A to point point B, <laughs> and then you're like, sure, I can I can show back up. I I love the d- description also of like you could have one or two arms, one or two legs, um, whatever you're feeling that day, you um, yeah. and then. Now you're just on the other side with one beefy arm and one beefy leg, hoping for the best. <laughs> I do. I do really like. Uh, so their shape self ability is, of course, really interesting. So you can shape your body, you know, to look generally humanoid, so you can hold and carry things, and you know, whatever. Um, but also as a bonus action, you basically you get a pseudopod. So it's pretty much like a free mage hand is kind of how it works, except you can hold up to ten pounds instead of the five pounds for mage hand. But you can interact with objects in the same way. Um, so that's that's interesting. Well, and I like that um, there's no action required to go from having a shape to having no shape, right? Um, which is which could lend itself to more of combat based right. options, but at the same time, I also feel like that's a lot I could do in a round because it's yeah. free that I can change, then I could move, then I could. Could I put myself back together? Yeah. Then I could hit you with a pseudopod or move something with a pseudopod. It doesn't it doesn't talk about like grappling interactions, but in my mind, I mean, if you're grappled, right, and then you can change your shape completely, like it doesn't say that that automatically ends a grapple, but like in the fiction, wouldn't it though? Yeah. Because I had read it. See, and this is exact. This is my point, right? Everyone listening, this is what you need to do. If you find a friend, talk through the UA together before it sees the table. Because what I'm concerned with now is that neither shaping or unshaping requires an action, right? So what? So right. So how do you? So I could literally unshape, scamper off reshape send out a pseudopod and interact with something and at that point i have literally used my move and my bonus and Mm -hmm. i have not used my action yeah because i mean amorphous it says you have advantage to initiate or escape a grapple but i don't know in the fiction if you're thinking about it if you can just Mm -hmm. say "Uh oh my head's not here anymore and you just grab that like why i feel like that's yeah definitely an oversight not to give that at least some kind of action yes hmm Hmm. And you can hold your breath for an hour. So. Yeah, which is just always, you know, super nice. <laughs> to, so that eliminates, again, exploration things like any threat from water puzzles or drowning or suffocation, things of that nature. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty good. Oh, I also think it's weird. A bunch of these you can choose whether you are medium or small. Which yeah. is something they introduced in Beyond the Wild Beyond the Witchlight with the Fae. Like mm-hmm. when you played, you know, a fairy, you could choose your size. Um, or with the herring guns, I think you could be small or medium. But that's a, that's an interesting choice, I think, to put in front of people, especially if they're new to D anD D. Like, and then not give an explanation of the advantages of that or not. It just seems a bit odd. Because it was the plasmoid, you could do that. Oh, yeah. You could choose with the Hadazi, which are like the space monkeys, or with the Thrycreen, which I thought was, yeah, very strange. Yeah, because that's not described in the top part of this section. No, they don't. Yeah, they they talk about, you know, creating your character. They say ability score, talk about that. Languages, creature type, lifespan, height and weight. 
but in the height and weight, they don't actually say anything about uh-uh. mechanical size, which is interesting. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're trying to like shy away from saying, hey, like people of this race are this tall or like. I, I think they might be trying to identify that as a problem that people yeah. have a problem with, which I don't think is necessarily true. So I don't really know. Yeah. Even outside of any conversation of that, you still, you have mechanical implications of the choice. Right. You need to know, like, halflings are always going to be small. That is a huge part <laughs> of of their history and why they're good at, like, stealth and things of that nature. Same so. with the autonome. Huh. Weird. I did actually think the Hadazi were were interesting, and they have some really cool features. The glide. Love the glide. Yeah, I like for So the Hadazi, so they're described as people with simian features, natural climbers, and then they have membranes of skin that hang loosely from their arms and legs, and they can like, so they can actually, like flying squirrel monkeys, uh-huh. yeah. basically. And I thought that was so cool how, well, one, dexterous feet, this special feature, they can take the use an object action as a bonus action, which is wild, gang. Whoa. Like, rogues have to wait. Thief rogues, I think, as their 18th level feature, get this. They can use an object as they, one of their cunning actions. Yeah. Which So that's like, oh, man, that's banana pants. That is banana pants that they just get that. They can use an object wow. action. Yeah, I had forgotten. Wow. Yeah, right? Isn't that that? That's just, like, yeah. mind-blowing. And then, and then their glide feature. So, I mean, dexterous feet. Obviously, I think that's going to get that has to get nerfed because that is like so powerful. And then glide is their next feature, which I think is is actually really, really very cool. So, as long as you're not wearing heavy armor, you can extend your skin membranes and glide. So, and that gives you two main things. So, when you fall, you can you know you can choose to move horizontally as you're falling, and then you don't take damage from a fall as long as you have a reaction. Uh, so you can use a reaction to reduce any damage you would take to zero. So basically, this super encourages this race to jump off of things and to like land and just do really cool aerial stunts. I thought that was a really elegant way to handle that and will give them a really unique feature that just you know makes movement and, and moving around the battlefield really fun. Yeah, and you cu- you couple that with the fact that they also have a climb speed, yes. which I think is really important to make it a sort of automatic feature right. or feel to the class. Because if you're going to tell me, I you know, because that's the other thing. Like when we're thinking through all this, like I have to think of like my player that most likely is going to take it and their response to most of the scenarios they find themselves yeah. in. So if I tell that player, yes, you can do it. Also, every time you try and climb something, you need to make XYZ check. Yeah. The likelihood goes down. Right. When I say, oh, you just have a climbing speed, short of it's slippery with grease, sap, right. the otherwise, then you'll make a check. But other than that, you just climb, mm-hmm. jump off. It's a little aggressive to just take no fall damage ever. Ever, yeah. Because that's really, really powerful, depending on the farther I fall, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole idea is that it's because I can glide as this character. So the idea is that I'm never truly falling. I'm only or fly. I'm never truly flying. I'm only falling in style. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess the penalty is being, though, you have to be really careful about not using your reaction just in case. Yeah, you're knocked, you know, knocked down by something. So probably the hat is this wouldn't be a great class or like this wouldn't combine great with like wizard who needs to be ready to counterspell at any time or um, 
you know, some of the fighters that are dependent on reaction-based things. So I guess you do you do have to be wary, but yeah, I mean, reducing it to zero damage, that is that is quite significant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the dexterous feet too. I mean, this is I mean, it's it's the goodest, you guys. It's the goodest one here. I think even even a little bit more potent than the the plasmoid. Yeah, and I looked it up real quick and it kind of seems like their go to profession appears to be piracy so, whoa or cool. sailing so the last time they were in anything official it was third edition monkey space like, pirate oh yeah all the all, all the stuff i see is <laughs> i just i just feel like a designer in third edition was like you know what i just watched planet of the apes and i really feel like we have mm-hmm. to just get him in there wow beautiful okay can you roll me a d8 yes all right, I rolled a eight. <gasps> you felt trapped in the role for which you were built and oh. abandoned your creator, determined to find a greater purpose. Oh, my God. And that is your autonome history. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought the autonomes were interesting because they're basically androids. Yeah. Like, as per, like, when you think of data in Star Trek, like, that kind That's of exactly android. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Short, short data. <laughs> you were short data because, it, and it's gnomes specifically. I, I wonder why they made them gnomes, right? When and you think also about it, like. Built wh- by gnomes. Right. So they're yeah. built by gnomes to be identical to gnomes. Why did they limit it to gnomes? Like, yeah. why couldn't you, like, Autobot and then make <laughs> I mean, not Autobot, obviously, but. That concept of why didn't they just like go whole in like for Android? So any, you know, any race that built this thing. Also, they bear a resemblance to their creator, which mm-hmm. I think is super weird. Yep. Also, their internal components can be very, our uh, internal components can vary widely. One autonome may have an <laughs> actual beating heart. In its chest cavity, while another might be powered by stardust or intricate clockwork gears. Yeah. No rules. I, yeah, all beds off uh, for what these folks look like or are made out of. I, and again, this, this feels like a very obvious attempt to be like, oh, we're not trying to tell you what to do from wizards, which I don't know. I don't know how helpful that is, but. Yeah. Hmm. You can add a D4 to one attack roll, ability check, saving throw you make. And you can do so after seeing the D20. You can use this trade a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Yeah, so you basically get a bunch of free uses of bless on yourself, which is pretty powerful. That's their built for success ability. Oh, I also did think it was weird. Their sentries rest feature. When you take a long rest, you spend at least six hours in an inactive state instead of sleeping. Why six hours? Everything yeah. else is four, four hours or eight hours. So what is it that, why six? What was the thought? What was the thought there? Oh, yeah, and I also think, like, does it, did it really come down to that? Like, what scenario, have you ever been in one where Where, mattered? like, six yeah. hours would have made a difference as opposed to four or eight? Nope. It is interesting, too, their, their true life feature. So you can use the mending spell to repair them. Uh, but I like that since mending is a cantrip, instead of making it like, you know, heal forever, mm-hmm. basically mending allows them to roll one of their hit dice and get that number yeah. back. So it is a resource that actually is used up, uh, which I thought is cool. I thought that was a very flavorful 
you know, so if you have somebody in your party with mending, that's yeah. like a fun thing you can do to like care for your autonome. Yeah, and it, I mean, because you can still take healing spells as you normally would. It's right. just this added feature that if someone in the party has that, then it kind of lightens that load. Cause yeah. Because I mean, I know, again, that's not necessarily a resource that my players tap into on a consistent basis, because for the most part, if they can sneak away for a long rest, then they're just fully healed. I'm so. just going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then we, of course, we also have, you know, our astral elves on here, which didn't really stand out to me as anything no. particularly special. I think their their coolest thing is their radiant soul. So when they succeed on a death save, they automatically restore hit points. Mm. So they, you know, they get knocked down and they they get up again. Um, never going to keep them down. Yeah, never going to keep them down. Uh, so that's, that's the astral elf. That's the only interesting thing about them. Otherwise, they're just elves from space. Yeah. That have space eyes. Space eyes. They're glitter with stars, which you know some people are going to be like, yes, that's oh, all I need. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> I've always wanted star eyes. And then, yeah, the gift, they just get the two little things. I mean, the gift, one of their things is damage dealer, which is pretty cool. So when they roll a one on damage attack for a melee attack, they can re-roll the die and use the new roll, which is cool. And they can do that once per turn, so that's great. So they basically have like a built-in barbarian-like feature um, that they can do all the time. But it also means that for GIF, you're basically cornered into doing something that deals melee damage. Yeah, and always, always a good thing to note when it says that once per turn, it is very important that that is not to mean once per round. In the same way that a rogue can get sneak attack once per turn, mm-hmm. their turn mm-hmm. as a reaction on someone else's turn, uh, the battlemaster fighter's turn because they told them to attack. Um, so it's always really, really mindful. Only because I play a high level rogue and mm-hmm. I screw it up. Yep. Yeah. But and then, then I, mm-hmm. I also think of just being a high level rogue as a gif. Yep. Because you're you're just medium. You said yeah. That also seems weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're choosing small and Medium for all these other classes. Why not medium or large? You're a hippo. You're a big hippo. Y'all, if you haven't seen, go to Mordenkainen's Tomophos, look at the <laughs> GIF, and you tell us. You email in, you yep. hit us up on Twitter, and you go, hey, let me know if you think that should be a medium or a large creature. You tell me now. <laughs> you tell me now, because uh, that's a large, that's a large boy. Let's let's be honest. Oh yeah, in two e it was large, three e it kicked down, and then stayed that way. They're big. They're big boys. Okay, but I say we've done it. We've, we've done tackled it. it, and we've thought about all the ways. And like this is, I mean, I think it really boils down to okay. So before we kick out into something else, what is the one piece of advice that you would give someone putting and playing UA at their table? Yeah, I think it is really awesome to be able to play unearth arcana options. It works very much the same way as using any kind of third-party content at your table. So from another company, you know, whatever it is, make sure that you give it to your DM before ahead of game time. Make sure your GM approves it and you all have a conversation about it. Uh, Just be really open and honest. Like if there are any pain points that either of you can identify, talk them out, hash them out. And hey, GMs, if you do approve the use of Unearthed Arcana, be courteous to your player um, and be prepared. Like if something doesn't work out the way you thought it would or the way the player thought it would, you know, don't punish them for that. Allow them to change, allow them to make a new character or, you know, whatever it is, homebrew a different solution. Like don't don't keep them trapped in something if it doesn't quite work the way they thought it would or the way you thought it would. 
done and done. That is the same advice I have. Set expectations mm -hmm. that everything could change. Yep. It's as simple as that. Yep. Because simple it could as go that. Way. It could be way overpowered. It could mm -hmm. be way underpowered. One of you could feel it. The other could not. Um, but there will inevitably be conversations as someone who has both used UA uh, for a character and someone who has had their players use UA for their own. Yeah. 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 Be ready to uh, do some uh, freelance design at your own table. Yeah. I This happened to me. I was playing through Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus and I picked the Onomancy wizard, which was the, you know, the naming wizard that came out on our Earth Darkana. And um, you know what? It was bad. It was really bad. And I had to finish a campaign and it was a bummer, like keeping that same class. So, and it hasn't appeared since in any other wizards projects to the surprise of Ta -da. <laughs> Ta -da -da. So, you know, just be patient and be understanding and just be cool. Just be yep. cool about it. <laughs> Speaking of being cool, but if you want to be super cool as well, what you can do is you can head over to your podcatcher of choice, leave us a rating and review. And of course, that'll get more people, more eyes on us. Um, <laughs> probably ears. I'm going to be ears, honest. It's eyes. not eyes. Yep. Um, and of course, as always, if you want to pay some extra gym dues, let a person know about the show and tell them where they can find us. Yeah, and be sure, you know, when when you've looked at that image of a GIF and you also agree that it is a large creature, please reach out to us via email at diamnastics at gmail.com to tell us about how you've used Unearthed Arcana in your games. We would love to hear from you. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter at diamnastics, me personally at cconowich, or Neil at jotemoniac. And for everything else on the network, you can head over to Block Party Podcast Network. I wonder if it's GIF and we've just been saying it wrong the whole time. It says in the paragraph that they argue about it. That's right. It's I forgot about that. <laughs> they talk about that in there, Wonderful. Neil. That, that's the best. That's the best thing of the, the whole fight, thing. The fight between yeah, who, the GIF and the GIF. Who cares? Who cares if I can reroll once who from cares? my image when I'm going to you know argue what? with? Who cares the other if the mechanics people? stink? We have this. Yes, perfect. <laughs> um, and of course, for. Nope, lost it. And of course, we want to send a huge thank you to the Bards over on Bombarded for our intro and outro music. And you can find everything else that they do at bombardedcast.com. But, but rather than let these mental gains go to waste, let's head to taking your supplements. Taking your supplements! And just like that super sweet bumper from here, nope, from there to here, we are going to be talking about adding some music to your game. Yay! Yes. So this is something I've been thinking about a lot, especially because I've been spending a lot of time writing. And more and more lately, I've been trying to pick music to play in the background when I'm writing to theme adventures or like if I'm planning a session and I know... You know, I, I'm trying to get into the mood, the headspace. Uh, I love to go onto Spotify or, you know, any other music platforms of your choice and, and pick some soundtracks. And I have a few requirements for these. One, they can't have words because if I'm writing and talking or playing a game, words are very hard. Uh, and they just they have to be long enough that they'll take up a whole session or not too obtrusive. So I'm very picky about my music tastes. So I wanted to reach out and, you know, recommend someone that I found recently that is just really great. Sort of my go-to. Um, so you ready, Neil? You ready for this sweet rack? I am ready. Okay. So on Spotify, if you go up and look up Brian Davis, so that's B-R-I-A-N Davis, he has made a whole collection of atmosphere 
playlists and themed them around different, very common settings in D&D. So I'm looking right now at his list here. There's like atmosphere, the underdark, atmosphere, the wild, atmosphere, town. Uh, my personal favorite is atmosphere, the fae which is just very, very cool because Venture Maidens is doing a lot of like fey Wilds inspired stuff. And, you know, for any of you out there playing like Wild Beyond the Witchlight, fantastic playlists. Uh, and he's constantly working on them and constantly adding new stuff to them. They're all, you know, over an hour long and just, just really great stuff. So if you're looking for something to play in the backgrounds of your games or something to get you in a fantastical mood, highly recommend Brian Davis on Spotify. Too many Brian Davises. So too many. So you can also go ahead and look up atmosphere and then colon like the wild or the fey. So once you see all of these uh, people on here, that that's the Brian Davis you're looking for. That's him. That's just so clear. It's not the country artist with the flannel and the trucker hat that I found. So it is not. (laughs) To save you the trouble. Whoever is listening, if you check the show notes, there will definitely be a link to this Brian Davis. <laughs> this Brian Davis. Uh, there's also a bunch of playlists on there that are ambient, uh, which only use ambient sounds, or atmosphere, which uses just uh, music with ambient sounds behind it. So it's a really good mix of stuff. So yeah, look in the show notes, go check it out, and get you some tunes. Yeah, and it, it, do, it does really well. I mean, like, there people smarter than I in this subject. Oh, I only say it that way because I feel like it's really like self-deprecating when people always just say smarter than I, but like the implication is like they're better at this one thing I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. But yeah, people with a lot more psychological training than I happen to have um, could probably speak to the fact that how much is tied with memory because I know of things and tracks that I'll listen to that bring up those moments in games. That they were played in. And then that can start to become a little bit of a a good feedback loop because these are the tracks you're playing while at the table. These might be the same tracks you're playing while you're writing or working on the game. And it kind of just prompts your brain to be more creative in that specific way because you're hearing those same tones. I mean, you'll even see it with, you know, older people. You'll see a lot on social media where like they play a song for someone and it revitalizes some memories that that Mm -hmm. person didn't have short of those songs playing. Boom. After that, whatever. Yeah. Just go (laughs) listen to whatever you want too. But Brian Davis will be linked in the show notes. Yeah. And it's like Brian Davis with like 22,000 followers. So hopefully, you know, don't check, don't click on a Brian Davis that has like 10 followers. That's probably yeah, not the right it's one. Not that, it's not that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, but with that, uh, we will turn out the lights and head out of the gym. Before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, and anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and the other amazing conversations being had. And to do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics. So your players don't ask, do you even lift? <laughs>